Good day, and thank you so much for joining us today. We are talking about STEM or STEAM. We're going to break that part down. And here to help me with this, educator and author, Laquita Bolden. How are you doing today? I'm doing good today. Thanks, Frank. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I, uh, I am so excited to dive into this because, as I mentioned, you're an author as well, and you're doing big things in that arena. But um, you're the author of My Little Scientist. We'll, we'll talk about that momentarily. But come, what, what is STEM or STEAM? Or, or, <laughs> or are they synonymous? What, what is going on here? So the difference between STEM and STEAM is clearly the A. But the right. A in STEAM stands for arts, and uh, STEM is only science, technology, engineering, and math. And the idea of STEM is kind of just a way to combine these four disciplines So, um, in, in a learning process. So maybe a lesson includes science and technology or math and engineering. So it's just kind of a way to connect all four of those disciplines. And so you specialize in STEM or STEAM? STEM, that's great. I love... I'm actually missing the A. That is <laughs> that is probably the one thing about me. I love arts, but it's not like it's not my specialty. I'm definitely STEM. You say you took arts out because you don't care about it. <laughs> no, I love <laughs> arts. <laughs> I love arts. I'm just not good at it. So STEM, the science, the technology, the engineering, and the math, like you got me. But art, no. So <laughs> but STEAM allows it encompasses everybody so those those scientific people that do have that art side to them or understanding that arts is an important component that we could add to the stem as well so it's important like Frank, i did not say that you will not put words in my mouth <laughs> do not quote that okay i love art yeah i was live streaming that part right there what grabbed your interest in in stem um you know wh where did this interest come from because as, as we were talking offline this is not something that that grabs everyone, but it, it grabbed you and it hasn't let go. Yeah, what really grabbed me about STEM was the critical thinking and the and the innovation. So it's really problem solving. When um, I was an educator at a STEM school, we would literally use the engineer design process to solve real world problems. These are the materials you have. We need to filter oil out of water, right? So we would put um, water in a container with oil and they had to figure out a way to absorb that oil. Well, in the process of figuring out how to do that, we're talking about water filtration, ways to find, you know, that using everyday household materials to find a way to clean this water. So that ties into a bigger issue. So I feel like what really interests me about STEM is that it allows me to use my critical thinking skills while also coming up with innovative ways to solve problems. And so you saw the big picture and you were able to kind of whittle it back down to something that could be focused for you. Yes. Do you think that that might be missing in some instances because, you know, you say numbers and science and, you know, folk like me, like, get it away. <laughs> yeah, I do believe what's missing is making it relatable. So again, I think that that hit, it, it made me passionate about it because it's a real issue. It's something that people are experiencing. It's a problem in the world versus when you're looking at it on a textbook, just reading the facts and information about it versus pulling it off of that textbook and bringing it into the real world. Like, hey, this is actually a method we can use to solve a real world problem. Would you wanna dive more into this? 
And then that, that, in, that motivates students to want to do more research. And sometimes this could end up becoming a project that they research for the rest of their life, right? So just being able to relate it to them and bring it to the real world is what really you know, kind of sparks their interest about STEM. That's why they, you know, like you, you feel blah about it because nobody bought it out the book for you. You know, nobody bought it to life. So that was her humble way of saying you didn't have me as a teacher, Frank. That's, that's basically. <laughs> what... So tell me, I, I, I pulled you aside because I, I knew you would keep it 100 with me. I, I mean, your classes, as you were going through the ranks and, and, and learning what you were learning, did you see a lot of people who looked like you? I didn't. And that's what really motivated me to get into this because it wasn't. It's, it's not a lot of people then and now. The, according to the United States Census Bureau, there's only 27% of women that are in this um, STEM field. And then mm -hmm. it's even less than that for minorities, Black and Brown. So it's like 17%. So even still, like, you know, kids, students are going into these majors, but they're not following through. So when we look into the work field, there's not that many black and brown or women in these fields. When you're in a field that is filled with people who don't come from a similar background, is that somewhat daunting? Because it sounds to me like you said, you know what, this is a challenge and I'm game for it. It is very challenging because you never think about how much you can't as it, you never think about how much it's hard to see yourself somewhere that you've never seen someone that looks like you. Um, and I just remember that uh, I graduated from Cleveland State with um, my bachelor's in biology. And I remember just being in classes as I got into my higher classes, like the 300s and the 400s, when we get into genetics and physics, there weren't as many people that looked like me. And it was a struggle. Professors, there was no one in front of me teaching that looked like me. There wasn't too many people that sat in the classroom that looked like me. So for a long time, I felt like, did I belong? I always felt insecure. I didn't feel, you know, I felt embarrassed to answer certain questions or if I use certain grammar. And, you know, I even experienced incidents from professors that made me feel that way. And I realized the three or four people that I did have in that field, like my friends th that are now doctors, which is beautiful, we stuck together, we band together, we studied together, like we really stuck together. And having just those people that looked like me and felt the same way as me, we worked together. And it made me realize if we didn't, if this obstacle was removed, if there, if there would have been 10 or 15 people in that room that looked like me when I walked in, or my professor looked like me when I walked in, would my experience have been so different? So I'm I'm on the journey of changing that now. If, right, if. So, yeah. so let's go scientific about this. What was your hypothesis of these courses before you got your foot all the way in? What were you thinking the outcome would be? Or were you thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, when I first got there, I literally, I never forget one time, I broke down and cried in the middle of... <laughs> I broke down in tears in the middle of like our student union at Cleveland State because it was my, I'll never forget, uh, it was my genetics class. And that was the class that the first time I realized, like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, that was, a, it was only me in that class. There was, there was no other black or brown 
person in that classroom at the time. And it was so difficult. That was the first time that I was happy to get a C in a class because that C was the hardest that I had ever worked for. Like I cried. Like if you ask my mom, I cried. I was depressed for a whole semester because it just really challenged me. And I felt like I had no one to, to turn to because again, me and my friends that were black and brown, we have been taking all these courses together. But as we started getting into our specialized you know, degrees, our classes started separating. Right, so right. then I had to find a new system. I had to find a new way. And it's, even though I had, you know, and I'm not, you know, like saying that no one was there or I didn't have any of that support, but it just, it wasn't as comfortable for me to reach out or to say, hey, do you get this? Or what is he talking about? Cause there was plenty of times where I'm like, I don't understand this, but I was scared to ask because I didn't want to look like I didn't know or that I was, you know, like stupid. I didn't want to feel stupid. You know, what would you say to people out there who would like to argue and say, oh, get over yourself. It's not that serious. It's not that big a deal. Because sometimes I've heard those comments from people, but those same people have never found themselves in that predicament, if you will, where they are the only one. And they won't put themselves in that situation either. No, and that's what I would say is like, just imagine no one else, no one will understand that because that is a different lens and a life that we live every day. And, you know, we've, you know, we've talked about that before, but once they experience it, when you have that moment, you understand, even if it's because you're the only woman in the room, it's a difference. You feel, even though at moments you can feel welcome, there's still a level of standing out, you know, like, or, or a discomfort that you feel. So just imagine feeling that every day or imagine feeling that in every class or, and then on top of it in a space where you have to educate in and in, in a classroom, you have to be vulnerable enough to ask for help. You have to be open enough to, you know, express those things. So with people already having certain stereotypes of me or us as black and brown people, it, it put a fear in me. So I'm pretty sure what's crazy is that I probably could have gotten more out of my classes if I didn't have those anxiety and fears. So I, I wonder that. I wonder how much more I would have gotten out of my experience if I didn't allow those moments to shrink me in those classrooms. Are you at a point now where you refuse to shrink yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> There's no shrinking for me. It's no shrinking for me at this point because I realize that now that I've pushed through those things and lived through those moments, you know, it's my job to be there for other people coming, like other black and brown women and children coming behind me. And I always know the saying that God either uses your life or he uses your gifts. And he used my life. That was an experience that shaped and shifted ex my passion and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So now my mission is to, to make that easier. It's time for me to reach back and you know maybe cover that obstacle. So the next black or brown girl doesn't have to worry about not not feeling involved or seeing people that looks like her, maybe she just has to focus on learning the content, you know? So I'm just trying to make it easier for the people coming behind me. And so tell me, you're an educator and what setting are you educating youth? What are you doing um, and, and how are you getting those messages across? Because we'll get to the book momentarily, but <laughs> but tell me as far as an instructor, how has that worked out for you? Um, all, the, the, the relationships and the dynamics that I've developed with my students, those are that is my um, you know how you always have to have like a you know a point of reference of how you know how far along you've come watching my students and still speaking to my students I mean I haven't taught for two years I have student my first class my the first student that I ever had she was only in my class for six months she calls me every we are still in contact with each other like she wow. still calls me how, how old 
Oh my gosh. If she's in, she's in high school, they're in high school. My first class was like maybe five or six years ago. So she's like a ninth or 10th grader. She's you had that type of impact. Yes. Yes. And it just was, it was, what was crazy is that what impacted them more, I think was, was just me, was my experience seeing someone that looked like them, that they could relate to that was younger, like, because most of the lessons that they learned were just, were outside of the classroom for me, you know, just feeling like there's a possibility that they could be in a profession or they could stand in front of people and teach. Like they never even thought or seen themselves in that light until they started seeing people that looked like them. So just when I realized how important representation was in the classroom, I, I thought about like, well, how, how, how important is representation in the STEM fields? How important is it for you to walk into a, um, a hospital and your doctor is black or brown? or your nurse is black or brown, and you have a whole black or black and brown staff. Like if representation is important in class, in the class, it's definitely important in other areas of our lives. So- and, and you have to be more than a veneer, right? You have to be someone who is included, someone who can add some insight because as intelligent as the individuals are around you, there are things they do not know and maybe things they don't know that they don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. So tell me, this has made you a better teacher. What have you learned about yourself? Um, I've learned so many th- determination, um, focus. I've learned so many things about myself. And the biggest thing that I've learned is that I'm very dedicated. I'm, I didn't, I mean, I always thought of myself as a dedicated person, but when it, when it comes to thinking of other people, my level of dedication is different versus when it's just for myself. So of course, going through school, I had so many moments where I doubted myself and I I wasn't sure if I could do it. But now that I'm literally starting this (laughs) company by myself, writing these books, stepping out of my comfort zones, knowing that I'm doing it for a greater purpose, I feel like there's no level that I can't reach. Like I'm willing to take that step. I'm willing to reach out in any way that I can because I know that there's people like me right now sitting in a classroom or thinking about going into a major and they're worried about if they're capable of doing it because they don't see people that look like them doing it. Wow, that's that's definitely impressive. Uh, I feel inspired. And this is coming from the guy that didn't like the science courses. <laughs> Tell me this, My Little Scientist, that's the name of the, the business and that is the name of the book. What is this all about? Well, tell me okay. about the main character, where this all came from. So the mission of My Little Scientist is to provide culturally responsive curriculum that showcases underrepresented groups of children involved in science. So the ultimate goal is I'm trying to bridge the gap of equity in education. So how I did that was I created um, a, my own curriculum. So it's actually a story, a book series. Um, that's based on the next generation science standard, but it also ties in a social emotional skill. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach the whole child in this book. Okay. (laughs) Um, And also in it, it comes with a lesson plan and an experiment. So that's what kind of wraps it into like a curriculum. So we're teaching, we're reading, but we're also teaching. Um, And in this book, I actually, um, and the characters are actually inspired by my nieces and nephews. And in this book, Aubrey is learning about the phases of matter while she learns how much she matters to her family. So she's, (laughs) yeah. So the whole mission of it is what I realized with representation is that 
you know, people now are like, it's like, okay, let me put a ethnic name in here, or let me throw a black or brown person in there. But that's not representation. What representation is, is learning from the experiences of people who look like you. So what my little scientist does is it teaches from real life experiences of minorities. So in this book, Aubrey is a, a, a daughter of a working class family. She has three other siblings. Her house is wild. Like it's just, you know, it's a lot going on. It's realistic to um, real life experiences of black and brown students, but also elementary students. So these are some experiences and stories that like I've experienced being an elementary teacher with my students. So I'm trying to make this content as relatable to them as possible. That's impressive. How long did it did it take for you to come up with that concept and make it all gel perfectly? Oh my gosh. So um, the, uh, the thought of writing, at My Little Scientist came to me my freshman year of college. Um, I always say that it was a vision from God because even to this point down to this day, which that was in 2018 when I finally established it as a company, but that was 2015 when the vision came to me. So um, down to my, like my logo, I could see it when I closed my eyes. And it just stemmed from my own experience. I was literally a freshman going into my, you know, my freshman year of biology, all of these classes that I was scared um, to do. And honestly, there was one instance that happened that really sparked me into um, creating this curriculum. And it was an incident I told you that happened with a professor. I asked a question. I was doing like this CSI summer program. Cause I, when I tell you, I loved science. I loved right, science. Right. like, so I was in the CSI program and I asked the question because we were learning all this forensic science. It was science I had never seen before. And I asked the question and actually a professor laughed at me in front of everybody. No. Yes. What did you ask? It was, it was like a clarifying question. I didn't know what something meant. He was talking, it was one of a scientific term that I had never heard. Right. And I asked him, I said, well, I raised my hand and I said, what does that mean? And he laughed at me and I almost went, I, I, it hurt, it broke me to my core, but it, the one black professor that was at Cleveland state at that time, like in the science, she was in there and she pulled me out and she had a very, you know, um, influential conversation with me in that moment about the reality of what I was going into. And in that moment, I realized like, okay, I'm going to have to fend for myself. Like I'm going to have to understand that these are the challenges that I'm facing, but I'm not going to allow those challenges to to keep me from seeking what I love. Laquita, that just, oh my gosh, my my blood pressure just spiked because I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. And and those being there moments, they don't, they don't subside. You just grab, you just migrate from one to the other. And and I and I wish that it wasn't, but it is. And as we say, it is what it is, right? Yes. So it had to be sweet once she you know you walked across that stage oh my gosh walking across that stage was so amazing um and it just represented a lot for my family outside of my stepdad and my mom I was the first of of my siblings to graduate with a bachelor so even though Look we were at all, you. yeah so that moment was like such a, a a celebration we were all in a process of you know um getting our masters we we're all in school but I was the first person to actually walk across the stage and that moment was like my mom had gotten us so far you know it's that was like pivotal in our lives like you know one of us got through and then of course we all came tunneling well, through wait a minute so then that's almost like and I'm so sorry for the interruption but it just hit me it's almost like that you just described that moment right that's a seminal moment for you and your family 
But it was as though that professor was not only laughing at you in that moment when you asked that question, but they were laughing at everything about you, including those folks you love. Yes. Yes. And that's how it felt like you, because for you to think like, if I'm asking a question, this is an academic environment. Why wouldn't I ask questions if I don't know? Why, why would you assume that anyone sitting here knows everything? And I'm probably asking a question that 30 other people have, but no one is raising their hand. So it was, it was like laughing at everybody that looked like me. That's how it felt at that time. What's next for you? I know ultimately the goal is to continue to change the complexion of, of folks who, who step into the realm of STEM and STEAM. <laughs> yes. So I'm my goal is to expand my company. Um, I'm working on culturally responsive workshops. So educating educators on, you know, um, skills and strategies that they can use to be more inclusive in their content. And then I also provide a, a STEM club. So I'm working on creating like an after-school program where students can come and like, we're, it's going to start with the process of the engineer design because engineer design, that's where the E for me comes in for STEM is this engineer design process to this approach to solving any problem is, I think is going to be what changes the world. So I'm, trying to start an after-school program where students can um, come and work on um, STEM-based problems, right? But it's using the engineer design process. So those are, that's how I'm trying to, and go, I'm starting with curriculum. My ultimate goal is to get a major publishing deal because I realized that we have to diversify. We don't, we have to create our own markets, but inclusive requires us to be included in the markets that already exist. So I'm trying to get a major publishing deal. So, you know, my curriculum through like Scholastics, I would love to work with Scholastics or Pearson, someone that, um, you know, can help promote, that would allow my curriculum to be in every classroom because this shouldn't be something that's outsourced or something random. Curriculum that includes everyone should be a norm. It should be in the state mandates it should be a normal curriculum that's found it shouldn't require for a teacher to go seek it and order it herself this should be something that's showing up to the classrooms like all the other curriculums I love it I love it you know I love this too you don't you don't see it from your vantage point but you will because from where you're sitting it looks like the I am is a crown there that you're... <laughs> that's awesome yes. so we talked about your hypothesis as you stepped into this now you're in the thick of it. You've talked about your plans. What's your conclusion? <laughs> well, my conclusion is, I mean, like I said, the journey has, is so far to go. My conclusion, my ultimate goal is to be in every classroom, to be a curriculum. I want a set of books. I want to complete my series. And then, you know, teachers can order the a full curriculum. So it'll come with the science kit, all the materials they need, and then the books that align with it. So my ultimate goal is to be a, a curriculum company. Meantime, where can people find you and the products you offer? Where can they find you? So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at My Little Scientist LLC, or you can find me directly on my website, which is www.mylittlescientistllc.com. That is what I am talking about. Well, Laquita Bolden, thank you so much for your time and thanks for hanging out and having a frank conversation about this. I am so sorry about those horrific experiences, but you know what, you came out on the other end and that's gonna make you a better instructor than that person ever was. And we thank you all for listening and until next time, have a good one. Thank you, Frank, bye.